Good morning and welcome. If, you, if you're wondering why Pastor Rafe is wearing a coat and a tie, you know, because I know some of you are worried about that, why Pastor Rafe is all, it's because it is freezing cold down here in South Florida. And here's the thing, it's South Florida. Who needs to put heat in their buildings? And so inside where we worship is uh, like 60 degrees. Um, and so, but it's wonderful. It's, it's, it's a blessing to be here. And I'm not going to say too much more about that because I have brothers and sisters in the faith who are preaching today in much, much different situations. Um, so we are blessed to be here in South Florida and to, uh, to know the joys of a bright sunshine on this uh, cool day as we, uh, as we share together here in South Florida. I'm Pastor Rafe. Glad to worship with you today. We're glad to be together to uh, share in God's praise and God's glory. We'll do that with song and prayer and God's word um, and uh, just lift up our uh, dedication and our, our worship of our living God. So let's uh, enter into worship now. Would you stand as we just sing together? I was buried beneath my shame Who could bury the kind away It was my turn Till I met you I was breathing but not Alive. All my failures I tried to hide It was my turn Till I met you Cause when you called my name Glorious day. 
I needed rescue, my sins were heavy, but chains would break out the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan, now you call me a citizen of heaven. I was broken, you were my Treasure. 
may be seated as we uh, share together. Uh, I want to say good morning again. Um, still staying warm here as best we can, and I know those, those of you who are engaging, engaging online are probably staying very warm with your hot drinks around uh, your, <laughs> your tables at home. Um, but we want to share a moment about our, our pegs this morning. We always want to focus in on that, how we pray, engage, give, and serve as part of the foundations of our, of our faith. And uh, this is the fifth Sunday of January, and as a fifth Sunday uh, custom and practice, uh, we support our Florida United Methodist Children's Home. Fifth Sunday is a time for taking a special offering for the children's home across our state, and I know that here at New Horizon, our connection with the Florida United Methodist Children's Home is an integral part of our faith life and how we live out our faith and how we as a church partner with this uh, great ministry of the United Methodist Church. The Children's Home has a number of different ministries, including residential care in the central and northern part of the state, um, outpatient uh, uh, therapeutic care across uh, the state, and um, foster care in five counties, I believe, uh, in our state, including here in Broward and Palm Beach counties, and the offices for that foster care are right here on our, our campus. And so on this day, uh, we'll take up a special offering. You can do it online. Just mark it uh, Florida United Methodist Children's Home. I know that sounds like a lot of uh, words, but you can put what we call FUMCH, F-U-M-C-H, uh, I guess it is, Florida United Methodist Children's Home, FUMCH. Um, there it is. It's up there. <laughs> Florida United Methodist Children's Home. But just mark it for that. We'll make sure that the children who are marginalized, who are abused, who are hurt, who are craving uh, for safe home, safe place, are cared for through the many different resources that we have in our Florida United Methodist Children's Home. Now, we have a, a strong partnership because one of the things that we do is this golf tournament. And it's coming up at the end of April, and we're doing a, the golf tournament again and silent auction and raises tens of thousands of dollars for the foster care right here in this area. And so we pray for your support for that. If you are part of a, a business or a company that would uh, benefit from partnering with us and sponsoring, please be in contact with the church offices. We'll make sure you that partnership and sponsorship can happen. So now is the time for sponsors to step up. If you're a golfer, it's you know you can be a part of it in that way. But even most important, or more important, most important, however you want to say it, um, this year we uh, we've changed from a Friday from a Saturday to a Friday event. We've changed locations. And so the support people, the non-golfers that help make this happen, help make the silent auction and the registration and the collecting of things and, and putting things together and hosting and the hospitality at the event, that's going to be a critical piece. And so please be in prayer about God calling and using you to help maybe support this. Maybe you want to give some of your time and service for this wonderful event. And so we'll be uh, looking for those also um, here uh, now. So please be in support of our golf tournament for the Florida United Methodist Children's Home. Amen and amen. Good morning. I'm Pastor Lisa, and I want to welcome you this morning as we worship together. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, we gather together this morning, perhaps not in each other's presence. Still, we gather together this morning as a people fully united and in need of your presence. We gather to praise and worship you, the Lord of peace, 
in a time where the world would have us choose chaos. The Lord of strength in our times of weakness. The Lord of wisdom in our times of confusion. The Lord of love when we're feeling lost and alone. The Lord of comfort when we are hurting and grieving. The Lord of possibilities when all seems hopeless. Help us to so be in your presence in these moments that we draw our strength from your word. Help us to so be in your presence that our worries are set aside in awe and wonder of what you can do. Then help us to carry your presence with us as we go through the trying days to come. We pray all of this as your son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
All right, so rub your hands together. You know, it's cold. <laughs> it, it, it's cold. But I want to share with you, I know that, um, you know, it's, wet, it's weather like this, you know, when it gets cold and uh, people know that they have the option that, hey, it's on YouTube, it's on Facebook, I can sit in my warm house, I don't have to go to the, the church that doesn't have, you know, heating. Uh, and I can, I can, and so people have, have done that. And, uh, you know, but we've already been the last two years in kind of this scattered context where we feel a bit scattered from time to time. And, uh, and we now have all these technology options and stuff. But the nature of the church and God's gift to us is still about community. And so I um, want to invite you to next Sunday on February 6th, first Sunday of the month. You know, we're going to celebrate the first Sunday of the month by having one worship time, one worship time at, at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning and rally around the communion table and share in the communion, the unity, the community that is ours. And so even if you choose to engage in worship uh, online uh, through the technology, I want to encourage you to do it live at 10 o'clock or to join us here on site at 10 o'clock next Sunday. Have I said 10 o'clock enough? for people to get the, to get the point that next Sunday we'll be doing that. And the purpose is to come around the communion table and to recognize and remember what Jesus Christ has done for us to draw us together as a community of faith. And so that will be part of our, our celebration uh, next week. Today we're uh, going to share in God's Word from uh, Luke chapter 4. Now, last week we're in Luke chapter 4. In fact, verse 21 kind of overlaps last week from this week. This is where... Uh, we finished last week was in verse 21 uh, when Jesus says, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your, in, as you heard it. Um, and last week, Jesus was reading scripture. He was in the temple uh, worship place in, uh, in Nazareth and they had given him the, the scroll to read and he unrolled the scroll to the prophet Isaiah and he read from Isaiah that, uh, you know, I have come to proclaim release for the captives and recovery of sight from the, for the blind and to let the oppressed go free. And Jesus, you know, that's kind of Jesus' mission statement, and that's what he's about. And so right as he finishes that, he says these words. He began to explain to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. Everyone was raving, raving about Jesus. So impressed were they by the gracious words flowing from his lips. They said, this is Joseph's son, isn't it? Then Jesus said to them, undoubtedly, you will quote this saying to me. Doctor, heal yourself. Do here in your, your hometown what we've heard you did in Capernaum. He said, I assure you, that no prophet is welcome in the prophet's hometown. And I can assure you that there were many widows in Israel during Elijah's time when it didn't rain for three and a half years and there was a great food shortage in the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them but only to a widow in the city of Zarephath in the region of Sidon. There was also many persons with skin diseases in Israel during the time of the prophet Elisha. 
But none of them were cleansed. Instead, Naaman the Syrian was cleansed. When they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was filled with anger. They rose up and grabbed him and ran him out of town. And they led him to the crest of the hill on which their town had been built so that they could throw him off the cliff. But Jesus passed through the crowd and went on his way. Amen and amen. Most gracious God, sometimes things aren't as we expected or hoped or believed they should be. And we get angry. We get frustrated. Lord, speak into our hearts today. Speak into our hearts the, the grace and power of your love. Amen. And amen. So who gets angry with Jesus? I mean, who does that, right? Jesus is all about love. Love is Jesus. Jesus is love. You know, Jesus is doing great things. Who could be angry with Jesus? Jesus is the, the best human being that has ever walked this earth. Grace and beauty and mercy and love just ooze from Jesus. So who could get angry with Jesus? The people and the crowd and the story, who gets angry with them? I mean, Jesus is their boy, man. This is their boy. This is their God. We're in the city of Nazareth. This is where Jesus grew up. They knew his family. They know his mom and dad and brothers and sisters. These are people that, that watched him grow up and uh, probably taught him or talked with him in the, in the synagogue over the years when he was a, an adolescent, you know, and, and coming of age. They were there for the celebratory moments that marked his life. They, they watched him learn his trade from his father, most likely. You know, this was their guy, you know? You know, you know what it's like when you when you go back to your hometown where you're raised. There's always people that remember you. They call you those nicknames that you thought you put away. You know, I I used to go back to my home church and they'd all call me Rafey. You know, yeah. Uh, now I've let that out of that, haven't I? Uh, and uh, and so you know, this is their boy. Jesus is back in their hometown. They watched him grow up, and they've heard of what he had been doing. And what he had been teaching about the, the peace and the grace. And, and now as he's come back to town, he's got these followers. He's got people with him. I mean, he's now got this prestigious place where people want to learn from him. And there's just something about him that's wonderful. And they've heard about his work and his healing. He set up his home base kind of in Capernaum, and, which is not too far away from Nazareth. And Nazareth is just this beautiful little city. It's kind of like up high, you know, on the part of a, of a mountain, and I've been there and, and stood on the side of this high peak and this cliff that kind of overlooks the, uh, this valley, this beautiful valley that runs down to Capernaum and the Sea of Galilee. Nazareth is part of the Galilee area. It's a beautiful place. Here's this beautiful setting, and Jesus is there at his hometown, and everybody likes him. So who gets angry with this guy? It's their boy. They've raised him. They, they know who he is. They're, they're raving about him, the scripture says. They were raving about him. They're proud of this guy. They're proud of what he's doing. They're impressed. He knows the scriptures and he's 
reading the scriptures and he's done great teachings. Joe, we're so proud of your boy. Mary, he's just done so great. And we're just so sure that he's come back home and he's going to bless his own people, right? Because we're the insiders. You know, we, we, we know him, you know. You know, we're, we're, we're the privileged, you know, because he's one of ours. He's, he's going to be one of us and he's going to bless us with his presence. So what turns them so angry? What makes them so angry so quick? So angry that they wanted to throw him off of that beautiful cliff that I once stood on and throw him down into the valley. What's so threatening? What's his offense? What did he do that all of a sudden turned them like that? Could it be that Jesus insinuated that God's favor is not solely for them? That the focus of the work of the kingdom that the focus of Jesus' work and, and ministry on life was not going to be about blessing the people of Nazareth, but about blessing the marginalized. Today the scripture has been fulfilled, he says. I'm here for the poor and the oppressed, the bound up, those who are captive. And you can imagine what they heard in Nazareth that day. It's not about us it's not about me all of this greatness all of this glory all of this is not about me god's kingdom and god's work and what god is going to do is going to be focused on the marginalized on the poor on the captives on the blind on the oppressed not about the privileged the chosen the ones who raised jesus and brought him up and made him like this Jesus' love, of course, is for everybody. He loved the folks of Nazareth. He came back home. But the work of the kingdom, the work that Jesus is going to focus on, is about relief for those who are marginalized. In other words, the privileged, the insiders, are going to have to share Jesus with others, with the outsiders, with the marginalized. And let's face it, it gets pretty frustrating sometimes when it's not about us, right? when it's not about us, about me. God's love is for all. But the work, the work of the kingdom is for those who we might determine, we might say, are outsiders. And then what Jesus does is Jesus kind of says, you know, you should recognize that this is kind of God's pattern. This is what God does. God looks for the, the small and the weak and the marginalized. You know, Israel is one of the smallest nations around. All right? That's kind of what God does. And then Jesus begins to prove, to document his mission and ministry with Old Testament scriptures that they would know. And how God works for the outsider, for the marginalized, for those who are weak, for those who don't have the resources. Jesus begins to quote scripture for them to document the proof that this is how God works. He brings up the story of Elijah. Elijah and a widow. And saying, hey, there are widows everywhere all over the land. And you remember the time? You know the stories? You've read the scriptures? 
It was a time of a drought. It was a time of a famine. Three and a half years without rain, without water, and everybody's without. And those who did not have resources, like widows and orphans, those who did not have resources, they were dying off. And there were people all over the region in that condition. But God sent Elijah out of town, out of Israel, to another place to have this encounter with a widow woman. And the encounter kind of goes like this. He meets her and, and she's gathering up sticks. And, um, and she, says that she tells Elijah that she's gathering up sticks to make a little fire to take her last little bit of, of flour and meal and make a couple of little tiny bread cakes and her last little bit of water. And she and her child, this widow and a child, are going to eat their last little morsels of food and then they're just going to lay down and die because they know they'll go hungry. They've got no resources. Nothing else supporting them. And so Elijah says, well, that sounds fine. Do what you said and uh, share some with me. I got so little and I'm going to give a little, you know. And, you know and, but she does it. That's the amazing part of the story. I think that's the miracle. That this, this woman who's from, from Sidon, you know, who meets this guy from Israel, and she's going to just share with him because that's what you do with travelers. And so she shared her food, and the bread and the water didn't run out until the famine was over. There was a miracle that happened there. And the woman lived, but that wasn't the end of the miracle, because her son did get sick, and her son died. And Elijah came to her home and, and prayed over her son and her son was resurrected and came back to life again. And so the miracle of God saving life and restoring life is visited on not a good Jewish woman, not a good Jewish family, but foreigners, outsiders from Sidon. This is what we would know as Lebanon today, outside of Israel. The God of Israel, the God of the chosen people is showing grace and love and restorative life to the poor outsiders beyond the region in the middle of a famine. People are praying for food and God's going to go do it over there. The drought had filled the land and here comes God and the story of God taking care of the outsider. But Jesus, you know, because you can't just prove your point with one reference, Jesus brings up another reference. He talks about Elisha and Naaman. Um, the first story, uh, Elijah and the widow, that's in 1 Kings chapter 17, in case some of you want to do your homework, see if Pastor Ray's got it right. The second story, Elisha and Naaman, it's from 2 Kings chapter 5. And Naaman is an Assyrian army officer. In other words, he's part of the enemy. Not only is he part of the enemy, he's one of the leaders of the enemy. He's part of the oppressive uh, folks that have come in and taken people into exile and conquered Israel and made it like this little puppet nation of the Assyrian Empire. Naaman is a foreigner. Naaman is an enemy. Naaman is one of the leaders of the oppressors. He's military. He's an invading army. He's an enemy. And he is entitled to everything he should get. But Naaman had a little skin problem. You know, he had what was referred to as leprosy at that time. But 
some sort of skin issue. And it's bothering him, and he wants it taken care of. And so this, this slave girl who has been captured from Israel, a good little Jewish girl who's a slave, she says to him, you know, in Israel, there's this prophet. He takes care of things like this. So Naaman's like, hey, man, I'm entitled. I'm an army officer. I get what I want. And he goes, to, uh, goes through all of the channels of the military and the kings and stuff and goes and visits Elisha. Elisha doesn't even come out to talk to him. He says, hey, go take a bath in the Jordan. You'll be fine. You know, go take a, you know, go take a bath in Jordan. You'll be fine. And now Naaman's upset because he's entitled. He didn't dress me well. He didn't do this right. And why would I go to the Jordan? The grand rivers in my home country are much cleaner and nicer than this little muddy creek. Heal this guy? This is the guy that God's going to work with? And so one of Naaman's guys says, hey, look, if, if the prophet had said go do some grand thing, you would have done some grand thing. Just do the little thing he asked you and try it out. So Naaman went jumped into the Jordan, and he was healed. God blesses the enemy of the chosen people? This is frustrating. This is angering. And Jesus is saying, this is the God that I am the son of, and so I'm going to practice this kind of love, this kind of grace, this kind of mercy, this kind of reaching out to the poor, the oppressed, the bound up, the addicted, the blind, the hurting. This is how I'm going to act. And so the people get angry. The people get absolutely furious and they want to throw Jesus out. But you know what? They're no different than us, right? You ever gotten angry with Jesus? You ever had your prayer not answered the way you wanted it answered? You know what I'm talking about here? You know, you wanted this kind of thing to happen. You wanted it to happen. This We've all been there. I, I've been there recently saying, I've got this plan, and I'm going to do this plan. And then God says, no, that's not what we're going to do. We've all been there. I was at a church a few decades ago. Uh, yeah, I, have, I can start referring to things in decades now. I'm getting that old. And uh, this church really hurt me. It was, not a, it was not a healthy place. You see, not every church is as healthy and as loving and as wonderful and, and mission-focused as New Horizon. New Horizon is a, is a great beacon of God's light in, uh, in our part of the world and in the work that we do. But in the 80s and the 90s, when I was serving an urban church uh, down in Miami, the, the culture and the language and the people in the community, the was shifting. There was this huge demographic shift going on, as is always happening in South Florida. You know, there's always uh, these, this influx of immigrant groups that come in and build up with this beauty that we have known as South Florida that is so diverse and, and reflected here at New Horizon. But at this time in the 80s and 90s when I was there, it was a struggle. And the people of this church hurt me. I mean, they hurt me bad. There was this sense of frustration and anger that their world around them was changing. They were mean. They were power hungry. And as a pastor, I, sometimes I didn't want to be there. They hurt me. They, you could see and feel the prejudices around. Only people like them could be in leadership in the church. 
the shifting demographics in the community filled the area with outsiders, and they were critical of me for loving on and caring for them, you know, those outsiders, not us who are inside and privileged. And it began to be very hurtful to my soul. And I got, I got angry at, you know, at these people that were hurting me. And so I'd say, Lord, do I really have to preach this week? Because I started getting afraid of what I was going to say. You know, of what I was going to say. If I got up there, I was afraid that I would begin to be one of those finger-pointing preachers. You know, just telling them how bad they were, you know, and what they were doing wrong and how they were hurting. And so I was like, every Saturday night, I was like, Lord, do not make me preach. Do not make me do this. They don't deserve any of, of God's love or God's presence. And so I was hurting, and one night as I was praying that prayer again, Lord, don't make me preach. Don't make me say this. You know, protect me from, you know, letting loose and letting the cannons fly. And um, I heard God speak into my heart, and it said this quote, Remember, I came for them first. I was like, what? You called me to ministry. You know, you had me lay down and make some sacrifices and work so hard to get to this place. And what about my comfort and my care? You want me to proclaim good news to these mean people because you came for them first? And then it struck me, oh, Jesus died for them too. Jesus died for these people? I was furious. Furious with God, shaking my fist. I was angry with Jesus. But then I was humbled. Because for this broken, hurting, dysfunctional community, I had to preach to them each week and teach their Bible studies. And visit them when they were sick. And do their funerals. I was humbled. I was humbled. Elijah came to the widow, the outsider. Elisha healed Naaman, a Syrian army officer from the invading country. Jesus came to the poor, the oppressed, the hurting, the broken. And it can be angering when God doesn't work the way that we want God to work. Jesus is on the side of the marginalized. And sometimes that can be angering because we want to be on the inside. We want to have the inside track. We want to have the privilege that comes with God's love. We want our prayers to be answered the way we want our prayers answered. But God's on the side of the marginalized. And you know what? Maybe that's the good news. Here is the good news. Jesus is on the side of the marginalized because we've all been there. And we might even be there right now. Jesus is focused on the poor, on the oppressed, on the sick, on the grieving, on the addicted, 
on the bullied, on the confused. Jesus is focused on the lost, the depressed, the heartbroken, the abused, the victimized. Jesus is focusing his work of the kingdom on all these people who are, who are lost and hurting. And Jesus also loves the bully and the abuser and the oppressor. And we've all been there, right? We've all been the least. We've all been the last or the lost. We've all felt like an outsider. That is who makes up the kingdom of God. That is who Jesus has come for. He feels, we might feel sometimes that Jesus' love and grace is unfair. It may get us angry. Oh, just answer my prayer the way I want it answered. And we get angry with Jesus. You know what? It's okay. Jesus can take it and still love us. And still love us. Amen. Amen. Most gracious God, it can be confusing and frustrating and even angering for us that your love is so big and so broad and so inclusive that it even cares for those who hurt us that we would consider enemies. Lord, forgive us for wanting the inside track. Forgive us for being possessive and of your love and your grace and your mercy. Soften our hearts. And yes, Lord, we dare pray, humble us that we might meekly receive your love and celebrate it and enjoy the fact that your love reaches others also. Lord, let your love be real. Amen. Amen. As we respond to God's word, we respond with prayer, we respond with giving. I encourage you to do that if you're here on site, in the baskets or online. But we also respond to God with praise and with song. We respond to God's word. And so let us uh, unite our voices together as we come to our feet and sing of God's grace. Your faithfulness, O oh God. You wrestle with the sinner's restless heart. You lead us by still waters into mercy. And nothing can keep us apart. Remember your people, remember your children, remember
Thank you. 